Good morning. How are y'all doing this morning? Good. Okay. There's no way you're as tired as me. All right. So let's go ahead and just brush that off real quick. Uh, but my name is Brandon. Uh, I am the student coordinator here at our Five Forks campus and I'm really just so excited to be teaching here this morning. Um, I got to teach here like this past August, but it's just really cool now um, after getting to know y'all, y'all becoming my friends and just my people to have the opportunity to do this again. And so I really am excited for this morning. Um, if I could give a shout out to anybody or anything, if Brandon could be officially sponsored going into a sermon, uh, 100% it would be sugar-free Red Bull as my sponsor. Um, sugar-free just because I'm trying to be healthy, maybe, I don't know. Um, I'm not gonna give the exact amount of energy drinks that I drank this weekend because my mom's in the room and I would stress her out and we don't wanna do that this morning. Um, but definitely if it could be flowing through my veins right now, that is what you would see. But for real, it really was an awesome weekend. Um, Dustin talked about it a little bit, but we had over 280 students downtown worshiping together in small groups and just diving into God's word. And what's really cool just for us, um, we had 16 students from our Five Forks campus join us at Reckless, which is just really cool and a testament to what God is doing here at Five Forks. And so uh, we wanna keep that going. We know God was working in some really awesome and really mighty ways this weekend. And our plan is to take that right back to this campus every single Sunday. And so we've had some difficulties figuring out the space and stuff, but in the upcoming weeks, in the next few weeks, we will be having student connect groups every Sunday during the 9.50 hour. So if you're a parent or a student, um, man, just, I'm gonna keep you on the loop. I'll be sending out emails, but be expectant for student connect groups to be happening here very, very soon. But yeah, so this morning, we're gonna pick up where we left off in our Life of Jesus series. So if you have your Bible, you can turn with me to Luke chapter nine, Luke chapter nine. And again, we're just working through the book of Luke studying Jesus all the way up until Easter. And so, hey, if this is your first Sunday, it's not too late, hop in, let's just go on this journey through the life of Jesus all the way up until Easter. So again, Luke chapter nine, starting in verse 10. If you don't have your Bible, it will be on the screen. It says, on their return, the apostles told him all that they had done. And he took them and withdrew apart to a town called Bethsaida, when the crowds learned it, they followed him and he welcomed them and spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured those who had need of healing. Now the day began to wear away and the 12 came and said to him, send the crowd away to go into the surrounding villages and countryside to find lodging and get provisions for we are here in a desolate place. But he said to them, you give them something to eat. They said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we are to go and buy food for all these people. For there were about 5,000 men. And he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. And they did so and had them all sit down and taking the loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing over them. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. And they all ate and were satisfied. And what was left over was picked up, 12 baskets of broken 
pieces. This really is one of my favorite stories in all of the Bible. Um, there was just something about this story in particular that stuck out to five-year-old Brandon. Like I would hear stories about Jesus, like casting out demons, raising people back to life. And like, obviously those are super cool, but I don't know, just feeding 5,000 people with five pieces of bread, that just like resonated in the little Brandon Shiley. I was like, this is so awesome. But even more than that, I think there's something in particular to the story. Um, outside of the miracle of the resurrection, this is the only miracle that is recorded in all four gospels. And so obviously the writers, the gospel writers have a message they are really trying to get across to their audience. And I really do believe there is something for us here this morning. And it just fits perfectly right into our series. They want to show us an intentional side of Jesus. And so if there was anything we could walk away with this morning, one bottom line or one big idea, it would be this. Jesus always has time to meet us right where we are. Jesus always has time to meet us right where we are. Now, I'm gonna pray for us real quick and then we can continue on. Jesus, we love you so much and we are just thankful for who you are, God. We're thankful for your character and for your heart that is always willing to meet us right where we are, Jesus. Help us to leave here today more confident in who you are and more willing to trust you in every circumstance, God. We love you and we ask this in your son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. So in verse 10, just to kind of work through the story, it says the disciples come back to Jesus and they start telling Jesus all that they had done. And so just a few verses four, if you were gonna look back, you would see that Jesus actually gave the disciples power and authority to do their own healing, to cast out demons and stuff in the name of Jesus. And so the disciples, you can imagine for a few days, maybe a week, they've been working, like they have been doing these miraculous works in the name of Jesus. And they come back they find him and they have so much they want to tell him. But you can also imagine after a week full of work like that, after being around people for so long, like the disciples, they are worn out, they are tired. And even in the other gospel accounts, it talks about Jesus himself needing rest. And so he suggests, hey, we should go off to a desolate place and just be by ourselves for a little bit. And this, this is like gonna be a super quick side note for the workaholics in the crowd, the people who pride themselves in being able to go nonstop for 24 seven. Um, this is actually something that Jesus does not model anywhere in the gospels. Instead, Jesus is always seeking out rest. He's always looking to get away to that desolate place. He's never wanting laziness. He's always wanting to work hard, but he wants rest to be spiritually refilled by his father. But anyways, they're trying to get away. They're going to this desolate place, but the crowds, they find them. They find Jesus. And even in Jesus wanting to be alone, he receives the crowd and he begins to heal them and teach them about the kingdom of God. And so before we even get to the main miracle today, we've already seen so much into the heart of Jesus. 
So if we're just gonna be taking notes today, the first point is super simple. Point number one, Jesus cares. We see that before he even feeds the 5,000. We see that Jesus really does care. And he demonstrates this in three ways. First of all, we see that he cares through receiving the crowd. He cares through receiving the crowd. Again, Jesus was off and he was on his way to do something important. Like Jesus had plans for his night and those plans did not include people. Like I know y'all relate to that. There's just those weekends where you're like, I'm sick and tired of people. Let me be by myself, please. Now, Jesus probably wouldn't have gone about it in that way, but he really was looking to be by himself. He wanted time, intimate time with his father. However, he was interrupted by the crowds. He doesn't push him away. He doesn't tell him he's too busy. He doesn't shun him. Instead, it says he, he receives him and he welcomes him. And I think this displays a truth that is true for every single one of us. Jesus lives it out right here. And this truth is that you and I, we are all willing to be interrupted by the things that are most important to us. Again, we are all willing to be interrupted by the things that are most important to us. You see, you will always conform your life to the mission that is most important to you. You will always make time for the things you value most, really no matter how inconvenient it is. For example, if your ultimate mission in life is to make money. Every chance you get, you'll take it. I'll give you an example. Um, this past Christmas break, me and my family, we fly out to Colorado to go skiing. Um, and we fly into Denver, we get our rental car, and we're starting to head up the mountain. And like, we're not in a crazy rush, but like, we're also from the south. So we're not trying to get caught up driving in the snow because we have no business doing that in a rental car. And so, we're driving through downtown Denver, and all of a sudden, my dad is like, yo, did I just run over a $100 bill? So first of all, someone's got to address the Hawkeye vision of my dad to like see a dollar bill laying in the middle of the road. But like somehow, like even through my noise-canceling AirPods, I'm like, what? Like, we all know we have selective hearing, and like the college student definitely heard the money comment. I'm like, repeat that one more time? And it didn't matter if we were gonna be three hours late to check in, we were all at the same time like, yo, we gotta make this UE right now. And so middle of the road, we're turning around, cars barely parked, open the car door, sprint across the road, obviously not looking both ways, pick it up. It really is a $100 bill, super fake. I'm surprised there wasn't a camera in the, like, in the bushes, like got him or like something. It was a $100 bill, it was so fake. You hate to see it, but besides, that's beside the point. The point is, is that we were willing to be interrupted by that $100 bill because we saw it as something of value. And in that same way, if what's most important to you is maybe making it big time, what's most important to you is getting that job promotion, you'll do whatever it takes. If the boss calls you during family dinner, if that's more important, you'll take it. Man, if he tells you, okay, we need you on Sunday mornings, every Sunday morning. If that's what you value most, you'll do it. But what I am ready for, for myself, for the church, for us, 
is for us to take up the mission of Jesus as the most important thing in our life. For the thing that if we were to be interrupted or if we were to be inconvenienced by anything, it would be this. And the mission of Jesus that we see in Luke comes from Luke 19.10. He says, the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. You see, it didn't matter how busy Jesus was gonna be. It didn't matter if he had a schedule planned out and that really didn't fit quite into it. Jesus stopped in this moment, in this story. Jesus was interrupted because seeking and saving the lost, caring for people was the most important thing in Jesus's life. And he was gonna do that no matter the cost. And so if you and I, if we have this goal here this morning to mimic Jesus, to mimic the heart of Jesus as best as we can. How are we gonna do that? You see, oftentimes in this effort to be compassionate, we, we mark off times in our schedule to do so, which this is a good thing. Like we schedule the time to hang out with friends so I could love them really well. We schedule the time to have a meal with the family member who's really struggling because we really do wanna show compassion to them. However, if we, were, if we had our schedule made and someone calls us and that's gonna mess up our day from five minutes, we use the excuse of, hey, I'm too busy for this. But what does it really mean to have the compassion of Jesus? Compassion really is a word that's only used to describe Jesus in the Bible because it's such a deep suffering, it's such a deep care. Like when our heart breaks, Jesus' heart breaks for us too. And so for Jesus, this was important. And it didn't matter if these people were following him around. It didn't matter if the thousands of people that were following him were getting annoying. Jesus stopped when he saw someone to be cared for. You see, compassion for Jesus wasn't something he was just trying to squeeze into a schedule. Compassion, loving people well, reaching the lost, wasn't something that Jesus did when it was just convenient for him. When Jesus saw a need, he stopped. When he saw people to be cared for, he was able to be interrupted because that was the most important thing to Jesus. So again, first we see that Jesus cares through receiving the crowd, but next we see that Jesus cares through actually healing the crowd. It says the crowds come to him and he starts to heal them of their diseases. And at least for me, I think this addresses one of the most common misconceptions you and I have about Jesus. We tell ourselves that Jesus really only cares about my sin. Like Jesus really only cares whether I'm in church every Sunday morning. Jesus only cares if I'm acting the right way, following the 10 commandments, but he doesn't really care about me. Like he doesn't really care about what's going on in my life, the things that are hard for me. What I think this passage tells us is that Jesus really does just care about you. Like you as an individual, you as a person, apart from the sin, apart from the hard stuff, Jesus cares for you. And I think in that same way, you can be encouraged this morning that you aren't left high and dry. Like Jesus isn't trying to drop a little truth on you, give you a little sermon, and then you're on your own. Like Jesus actually is showing compassion to you. He cares for you this morning. Again, I cannot say it enough. When your heart breaks, when you are in the suffering, when you're in the valley, Jesus really is there 
with you and his heart breaks with you. He has the most deepest and purest compassion you can imagine. And that is something to be encouraged by this morning. So we see that Jesus cares for the crowd through receiving them, through healing them. But lastly, he cares through teaching the crowd. Again, he meets the crowd right where they are, but he also wants to give them a bigger way out. He uses this as an opportunity to teach. You see, there's no doubt in my mind that when people came to Jesus with a need, like a physical need, yes, he cared. Yes, he addressed that need, but he was also gonna make them aware of a much bigger need. The need that, hey, I'm a sinner. The need that, hey, I am hopeless. I am lacking purpose. And Jesus was gonna address that with himself, saying, put your hope, put your faith in me. And what I think Jesus does is that he models a really good way of doing ministry here. By healing, by caring, by caring when it wasn't convenient for him, he earned the right to speak into their life. You see, when you and I, when we go out of our way to show compassion, when we go out of our way to care for people really well, that is knocking down obstacles, that's knocking down walls for them to hear the gospel so much more clearly. Jesus was earning that right to teach them well. And so I guess the question for us this morning after seeing how well Jesus cares is that where are we at in that process? Like reality check, we aren't Jesus, so we can't just go around healing people, proving that we care in that way. So how are you proving that you care? How are you mimicking the heart of Jesus in your everyday life? How are you loving people when it's inconvenient? And above that, how are you using that and pointing them back to the gospel? How are you using that care for the gospel to go forward? Man, the life of Jesus, even before the miracle, shows us so much here. But moving on, not only do we see that Jesus cares, we see that Jesus provides. Jesus provides. So going on in the story, it hits a point in the afternoon where people are probably just getting pretty hangry. And like the disciples, they recognize that. They understand. And not only that, they understand that they're low key, like there ain't nothing around to eat. It says they're in a desolate place. So it's not like middle of the desert, but let me just draw you a modern day example. It's like being caught up in that small South Carolina town that only has a Hardee's and a Subway. And like, no disrespect if you're from that town. However, if I'm hungry, I don't wanna be caught up there for an extended amount of time. Let's just keep moving, let's just keep pushing. And I'm not sure what the equivalent Bible time restaurant that would have been, I'm just gonna leave that there. But the disciples, they're like, okay, we probably need to send these people away. But Jesus, he tells the disciples to feed the crowd. And this is the disciples' response in verse 13. They said, hey, we have no more than five loaves and two fish unless you want us to go buy food for this entire crowd. For there were about 5,000 men. That's just men, not including the women and children. There are thousands of people on the scene. 
But Jesus says to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. In John's account, we see that it was the little boy who comes to Jesus and gives them the five loaves and the two fish. And there really is a whole sermon here about the power of like, hey, putting your yes on the table, what God can do with a simple act of obedience. That's just a lot to touch on today. However, something I do wanna touch on is the obedience of the disciples. Like, can you imagine the scene? All they have to give to Jesus is what is equivalent to a modern day Lunchable. And like, I hope y'all know what Lunchables are because that's my childhood for real, I love those things. But they come to Jesus and this is all they have. And Jesus is like, yeah, like I'll take it from here. And if I am the, like the disciples, I am so confused. And like confused is just the start of it. Like what is Jesus going to do with this? But even in all the confusion the disciples must have had, when Jesus tells the disciples, hey, sit down the crowd, have them sit in groups of 50, the disciples obey. They obey. And we don't even see here them ask any questions. They obey. They don't know the plan. They don't know how it's gonna be done. They don't have the step by step, but they obey Jesus in the moment because they trust who he is and what he can provide. And I know for me, that is something I want to imitate so badly in my life. I think we can all agree, we all really do want the plan. We want the step-by-step, step. we wanna know the hows, but we forget, we get so caught up in the how that we forget to be faithful and obedient in the now, in the right now, knowing what Jesus has called us to today. We forget to do what Jesus wants us to do right now. And man, there's just so much to learn from what the disciples did in that moment. But this is also in that moment, because of their obedience, this is where we see that God's provision is most evident. You see, God's provision is always most evident when you and I come to the end of ourselves. If you look at the story, Jesus tells the disciples, hey, feed the crowd. And they pretty much go, yeah, we've got nothing. This is all we've got. And it's in that moment of complete dependence. It's in the moment where they're like, I literally cannot do this by myself anymore. And it's when they really admit that to Jesus, that, hey, I cannot do this. And they recognize it. That is when Jesus is most prone to show up. You see the disciples in their pride, I mean, they had just spent a lot of time like doing miraculous things in the name of Jesus. They could have been like, all right, we can figure this out. Go around, start raising up money, start gathering all the food. But they just sit here in the moment and say, Jesus, I just can't do this. I'm helpless, I need you. They were so dependent. And that, in that moment, is when Jesus intervenes. And don't you want that? Don't you want Jesus to intervene in the circumstances in your life? That's what I want. And it comes when we come to the end of ourselves. So the passage, it closes with the crowds sitting down and Jesus feeds them all. We don't know how he does it. We don't know if he had this like one loaf and he just kept ripping it and it just kept coming. Like we don't know how it happened, but we do know that they all ate, they were all satisfied. And then they had 12 baskets of leftovers. 
And so going back to what Jesus did here and how he provided, I love it so much. We see that with the faithfulness of the disciples, with the little boy who provided all that he had, and even with the crowds just submitting, not knowing what's going on, we see that Jesus provides in such a real and abundant way. He didn't just give them enough to like hold them over until the next meal. He didn't just give them enough to scrape by. He gave them abundant. He gave them satisfaction. And then there were leftovers on top of it. You see, this whole series is about who is Jesus. And this passage right here really does prove that he is provider. And not only that, he like has the power over the supernatural as well. And that really, really hard thing that you're going through, he doesn't have to provide in the ordinary means that you think he should, but he has power over the natural and the supernatural. And that is something that we can take comfort in. However, I think that a lot of times we read this and we really aren't comforted, truly comforted by it. We read our Bibles and we see how God has provided for the people in the Bible. We see how he's provided for the thousands. We see how he's provided for the one. We even show up to our small groups and we sit next to the person and we see how God is working some super cool and mighty things in their life. However, when it comes to us, we just can't see it happening to me. You just can't see it happening to you. And a verse that really, really encourages me is Hebrews 13, eight that says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Like you read this stuff, you read the heart of Jesus and that is no different than the heart he has for you. The care we've seen that goes out of his way, that's so inconvenienced by the way we live and loves us anyways. The provision that we see from Jesus, that is the same Jesus who was there right in the middle of your circumstance too. That really can and should provide us a sense of comfort. If we believe in Jesus as someone who cares, but also someone who has the power to do something with that care, who really can provide, those two things together should provide you comfort. Hear me when I say this though, just because Jesus provides doesn't mean you're gonna get every want and desire. Man, I wish that's how that worked, but it's just not. However, we do, know, we do know that he cares about your situation. The job situation, his heart breaks for it. When your heart breaks for that family member that you feel like there's no hope for, Jesus is actually there with you and we know his heart breaks with you. And we can also trust in his promise that he will provide for all of our needs. He promises to provide for all of our needs. So maybe here this morning, Maybe if there's something you don't have, maybe there's something you're praying for over and over and over again, it's just not coming to fruition. We can trust the heart of Jesus. We can trust who he is. So maybe you just don't need it. Maybe you just don't need it right now. But we get to the end of the story. And again, I try to imagine the amazement of the crowds, like how they would have responded to something as crazy as this. But the very next day, after this just awesome miracle, we see the crowds, they come up to Jesus and they just ask him for more bread, like more physical bread. And they've missed the entire point of what Jesus was trying to do. 
They don't come up to Jesus and thank him. They don't come up to Jesus and ask him how. They don't come up to Jesus and ask him, hey, who are you? They come up to Jesus and just ask him for more bread. They've missed the point of who Jesus is. And I'm kind of gonna read you their response or Jesus' response to the crowd in John chapter six. Starting in verse 26, it says, Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate your fill of loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the son of man will give to you. For on him, God the father has set his seal. They said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers, they ate manna in the wilderness as it is written, he gave us bread from heaven to eat. And just a time out, this is the crowd that actually already has watched Jesus provide. Some of the people in this crowd, you can imagine, they had been healed by Jesus. They have seen his teaching. He really has already proven who he is. But they come up to Jesus and have the audacity to say, what work can you perform to prove you are who you say you are? This is the day after he feeds the thousands. Picking up in verse 32, Jesus responds to them and says, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. From the original story that we read today, Jesus feeding the thousands, we have to see that Jesus providing the loaves, Jesus providing the bread for the crowd was a foreshadowing of him as the true bread that satisfies. And so he's telling the crowd about this and the crowds, they are begging for it at this point. Jesus mentions a bread that is better. And the crowds are like, hey, if you have something better, sign me up, I want that bread. And Jesus says, I am the bread. And he says, this is the bread that's worth working for. In that passage, he says, work for the bread that endures eternal life. And not work in the sense that you have to earn it, but work in the sense that if you would just believe, then you would experience this bread. That if you would just spend your life hungry for me, if you just spend your life choosing to follow me. This is what real purpose, this is what real filling would feel like. I mean, if we look at the, if we look at the passage and we look at the crowds in this story, they didn't have to earn the bread that Jesus gave them. They just had to sit and obey when Jesus said to do so. They just had to submit to Jesus. And we see that that submission leads to their satisfaction. 
all day, I think we have seen that Jesus really does care. He really does provide and he wants to provide for you. Like the physical need, the real life situational need, Jesus wants to provide for you in that. But also I'm here to say he wants to provide so much more for, he wants to give you so much more. He wants to give you life. If you have not come to Jesus this morning with your ultimate need, this ultimate need that says, I'm a sinner, I am hopeless. Man, if you just keep running back to the physical bread in your life, you probably have experienced the, hey, I'm, I'm hitting the, my head is hitting the pillow every night and I still feel like I'm missing the point. If that's you, Jesus is saying, come to me because I have a bread that's worth working for and I have a bread that's me that will lead to you never hungering and never thirsting again. And the best news of all, in the last verse that we just read, Jesus says, whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. So if that's you this morning, man, if you haven't put your faith and trust in Jesus as real bread, as real life, I'm praying that you would do that this morning. But maybe also, there's just a situation in your life. There's just a situation in your life that you are really trying to fix it on your own. You haven't gone to Jesus with this relationship and said, Jesus, I can't do it anymore. I need you to step in. I need you to provide. I need for you to intervene. If that's you this morning, maybe just during this next song, you just need to hand that over. Hand it over and put your heart in a state of complete dependence, trusting in Jesus as someone who cares and someone who provides. If you wanna to talk to somebody this morning, I know the altar is open um, during this next song and me and Dustin would be more than happy to talk to you. Let's pray. Dear God, we love you and we are just so thankful for you and who you are, Jesus. Lord, I'm praying for the person here this morning who, man, they have not trusted in you as real life. God, I'm praying for that heart and that they would have the courage to put their faith and trust in you this morning, to not leave here without having a conversation on how I can experience eternal life. And then for the person, Jesus, man, they're just going through it. It's just a really hard circumstance going on, God. I'm praying that they would get to the point where they come to the end of themselves and say, Jesus, I trust you. I need you. Please intervene. Please step in, God. God, change our hearts this morning. Help us to leave here with a deeper trust for you because we know that you care and we know that you provide. God, we love you and we ask this in your son, Jesus Christ's name, amen.